Logical Progression, Year 4, Chapter 14, Lesson 12. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa al-aqibatu lil-mutaqeen, wa la'ajbana illa ala al-zalimeen, wa salatullahi wa salamuhu wa la'ashrafu al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen, Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla, wa anta tajlu al-hazna idha shi'ta sahla, اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. Normally when you see this many people, you think to yourself it must be exams or exams or exams. صح؟ That's normally يعني when lots of people come. Everyone's stressed out, procrastinating anyway, do some good deeds. Anything but to revise, Yani. Shalom, TK. All right, so, Jazakumullah um, uh, everybody who turned out on uh, Saturday. It was, uh, mashallah, it was really nice uh, seeing, obviously, so many people. And um, you will know that we have confirmed your pesa uh, for um, uh, May 6th, 7th, and 8th in Manchester. It is now confirmed, inshallah. So make sure that you uh, spread that information. Uh, we, uh, we, meaning me, forced that class through and genuinely forced it through, meaning that people were saying all kinds of different things. Uh, people are thinking about Ramadan, people are not thinking about this, people are not thinking about that, blah, 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 blah. And um, it's not relevant, and there's students, and there's this and that. And uh, honestly, honestly, um, Muslims cannot continue to think they can get away with this idea that halal, the concept of halal, only applies to food, right? Uh, I mean, that's so backward. I mean, it's, it's, it's so embarrassing, actually, because it's the kind of thing that we normally throw and accuse our parents of, right? The older generation, the ones that are, we say are anpar, we always insult our elders and call them anpar and backwards and cultural and this and that. Because, you know, of these kind of things. Yet the real Anpar people are those, our generation, men and women, who think it doesn't apply to us. And it doesn't, um, uh, these are things which are to do with investments and I don't invest. And, I, 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 you know, what kind of money do I have and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's so, it's insane. It's insane. And the worst of all the things, and I'll say it now, now we're repeating this, Yanni, all the way until, the, until this class starts. There is also a belief out there that there are people who are guilty of doing certain things which are haram. And they believe that if they go to a class where they're told that something is haram, that somehow that's going to make it more sinful than what they're currently in. Let me just, let me just clarify this point. Because this, 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 this idea that ignorance is bliss. Okay, Ignorance is not bliss in a sharia. That's a Christian yani, worldview or the other worldview. In the Sharia, it's not. In the Sharia, there are certain things which are known in this deen as an obligation. And actually, your refusal to actually find out about it is the sin. So you are in a state of sin, not even attempting to find out about what you are doing. So it's the exact opposite of what you think. Secondly, you are actually avoiding an obligation, which is to seek knowledge about every single thing that specifically you are involved with. And those are things which are with you, will be within your kind of sphere of what you do. Um, and 
people think that when they hear the word of contracts, for example, they somehow that you know they're thinking that we're shaking on the new kind of hotel that's going to be built, you know, by billionaires from abroad, right? A contract is something that you do every single day when you go into a shop, and a person says that's thirty-five pence, please, and you put the money down. That's a contract. Yeah, and he, just because we don't use technical phrases, it doesn't negate the the concept that. Uh, money and the fiqh of money is fundamental to every single person. The money that you carry, for example. Today's, today's budget news. Today's budget news. Okay? People will be here saying, I don't read the budget, I don't read the budget, I don't watch the budget, I don't care about the budget. Well, let me tell you something. Today, what George Osborne announced today, just as an example, just giving you as an example, is one, is, is one, is one thing which I would I would believe many many Muslims would actually enter into and that's this new lifetime ISA now these are the exact kind of phrases that will turn people off right a lifetime ISA let me put it this way the bank the bankers and uh, the government are introducing a system especially for your generation meaning under 40s especially okay for under 40s basically like a bank account giving you the opportunity to put in up to £4,000 a year, okay? And you put that money in and you won't get taxed on it. Now, at this moment in time, you say to yourself, I don't pay tax, I don't this, that. Well, you know what? You will be very, very soon, okay? And £4,000 is significant yeah, any amount of money, which they will give an extra 25% from themselves. They will give 25% from themselves. Question. Is it permissible to use this lifetime ISA product? Is it permissible to use it? For 10 years, they're going to contribute into it. For 10 years, maximum of 4,000 pounds is what? 40,000. So that's 25% is 10,000. Yes? That's 10,000 pounds of free cash potentially on offer. Minus the conditions and everything that's all there. I'm just saying to you, you know what? People suddenly somehow think that this is finance and investment and stuff for men. <laughs> or some crazy behavior like that. The fiqh of money applies to everyone. And um, one of the reasons why I was really, really wanting to push it through before Ramadan, and then the other cities, I know that I'm speaking in kind of a Manchester scene, but I'm now going to revive this class and send it around the country, okay? Um, the other thing why it's important to get it done for certainly us in Manchester before Ramadan is that Ramadan is often a time where people kind of become one with themselves. They, you know, remember who they actually are, what they're doing. And they try to change. And I swear to you by Allah that you have not even attempted to change if you do not make your own finances and the money that you earn, the risk that you take in halal. If you don't do that, you haven't changed nothing. You haven't changed nothing. If you've no, made no, no attempt, if you made no attempt to sort out your risk, you've done nothing. You have, you've changed nothing. You're just living a lie. You're living a lie. Your Ramadan is a lie. And that's a harsh statement to make. Ramadan is the month of mercy where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives people like they've never been forgiven before. A night when there is yani, X amount of years of worthy of worship is given. But I can say to you now, there is a consensus of the scholars, the tabi'een, their companions, that a person's Ramadan has not been accepted if they do not change their actions afterwards. That's how Ramadan is measured. Ramadan is not measured like packs like to measure it. That I felt so good that night. <laughs> that I cried so much that night. 
that I can't believe I spent يعني, six hours in the night, يعني, uh, of the night. In the, uh, you know, we prayed salat tasbih, and it was mental prayer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People have got to step out of that paradigm. It's got nothing about how you feel and how tired you are and how many days you fasted. It's very, 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 very simple. If you've not changed your life the next day, the next week, the next six months, then it means that, that Ramadan might have turned out to be a curse for you as opposed to something of positivity. Because it basically means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala offered you everything for free and you basically turned it back upon Him. So I'm just saying, a lot of people you know, don't understand this importance. So anyway, inshallah, and as I said, it's important for all age groups. It's not for elders or not people who have got money to invest, whatever. It's about every single thing that you have. Everything. I was just buying a SIM card for my mother last week. A SIM card for my mother. Everyone now uses a mobile phone. A mobile phone, all right, is not as simple as it used to be back in the day. Nowadays, there are so many people. I, I, like, I'll give you my mindset, for example. My mom has a pretty new uh, handset. There's no way that I'm going to be purchasing her another handset in any time soon. And the handset is very expensive. It's not like it used to be, which was maybe a couple hundred pounds. Now it's like, you know, it's computer money. Laptop money, 600 pounds, 700 pounds, 500 pounds. So you're not going to be looking to get contracts again and again and again. A person, you know, unless they've got, they've got some kind of, you know, good business or some kind of, you know, some, some deal, they're not going to be buying handsets. So they're going to make their handset last for more than one year and more than two years and maybe three and four. And of course, people need to have mobile contracts during that time. So people are looking at SIM only deals a lot more than they used to be. And they're all the rage. As you go is dying, sim only is the real, real powerful thing because you know it gives you lots of minutes compared to pay as you go, etc. etc. Half of these pay as you go, uh, uh, these sim only deals are full of interest pos- uh, 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 threats, are full of issues. Some I know a number of scholars I consider uh, consider all cashback deals, for example, to be impermissible, right? And a number of these sim card sim deals are based upon cashback, so you know. Uh, 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 you pay 18 pounds a month you get a real solid you know thousands of minutes xyz but you get money paid back to you so that it works out to be three pounds a month or six pounds a month or whatever it's all the rage all the rage what's the what's the reality about it what are you uh, you don't take any mobile phones as well you're going to say no i'm not going to go to the classic case my mobile phone becomes haram as well yeah so anyway like i said it's a reminder for everyone that not just for me not just pure pesa pure pesa is just our version you know of, of the class uh, you must take your finances seriously. Every single penny that comes into your home is your risk. And if you, if you really, and, and half the class is just understanding the barakah of keeping risk pure. Half of it. Just understanding you know, the attitude of the companions and the wives of the companions, the families of the companions. They, they, they do not want any of their actions of worship to be compromised in any way by having something haram. And that's the concept. They knew that any take, intake of haram compromises the acts of ibadah. That's the mentality that we need to have. So, um, inshallah, I hope to see people when that comes around. Um, and as I said, take it seriously. Take your risk seriously. Alright, so what we're going to do today, inshallah, are a couple of things. <clears throat> um, I think I think we are um, at the part where it says, Is that correct? Yeah? So, Zafar, read it up for us in English, yeah? So after the Adhan for the Maghrib prayer, it is Sunnah to sit for a little while. So after the Adhan for the Maghrib prayer, it is Sunnah to sit for a little while. Okay. And then after that, the next sentence. 
Whoever is combining prayers or making up missed prayers gives the adhan for the first prayer only. All right. So let's just deal with that first part then. Okay. وَيُسَنُّ جُلُوسُهُ بَعْدَ أَذَانِ الْمَغْرِبِ يَسِيرًا So um, it's very interesting actually what is being said. This, this sentence is heavy with, with in, indicative words. The first, word, the first of them and the biggest one is the word وَيُسَنُّ Meaning it is sunnah. And that's a rare statement to use, okay? And we're going to explain what that actually means. The second point that has been mentioned is that there is a sitting, julus, what does that mean? And it is yasir, meaning it is only for a small time, okay? So, the, and that, that's uh, what Sheikh Al-Uthameen starts off with in his commentary, page 77. He says, therefore, there are two sunnas that there are, need to be maintained, Two sunnas that we need to remember that maybe you didn't know. That one, that there is some kind of sitting stroke waiting between the adhan and the iqama. Okay, between the adhan and the iqama for maghrib, that there is some kind of sitting. It's not immediate. And second, that it is only for a little time. So therefore, if a person sat for half an hour or one hour, then it would not be the sunnah. So this is the immediate point you need to take from this. Now, in this issue, there is a number of uh, a hadith and a big difference of opinion amongst the scholars. And I think we need to become aware of that. First of all, where does this come from? Where does this idea come from? Especially from our background, we're mostly Hanafis, okay? Mostly the people who take this class because of just the majority of, you know, uh, Muslims in this country are Pakistan, and we're Hanafis. And therefore, in the Hanafi madhab, what the one thing that we certainly know is that there is no sitting for anything after the Adhan of Al-Maghrib, yes? And it's not just the Hanafi school, of course. This is the Maliki school position as well. From the from the from the Aymatul Arba'a, from the four Imams, the Hanafi school and the Maliki school are the most strict on the issue that there cannot be any delay for the Maghrib prayer. All four Imams and every Imam in history has always said that the Maghrib prayer is prayed quickly. Because in general, as we're gonna to come to, it's Sunnah to delay the prayer. It's always Sunnah to delay the prayer. Other than for the Fajr, and there's differences of opinion of, upon that, which we'll cover later, and for the Isha. The Isha, we know, uh, sorry, uh, uh, and the Maghrib. Otherwise, Dhuhr to be delayed the, uh, in, in certain circumstances. Uh, Isha is to be delayed as late as possible, unless it becomes difficult upon the people, etc. The Maghrib prayer, though, there are a number of ahadith that make it clear that it needs to be prayed before it goes dark outside. And darkness is what they differed over. What is the definition of darkness? Because when we go outside and we look um, as after sunset, we see two key different types of darkness. And we'll, we'll, again, this is not its right place now, but we'll come to it. These two key differences are determined by the disappearance of the twilight. Okay? And there's two types of twilight in the sky. There's a white twilight, which is the bright twilight, and then the darker twilight, which is the reddish twilight. And so therefore you will see that there is a, a concentration upon this, there's a focus on this darkness. Okay? All of the ulama generally want you to pray immediately. When we say immediately, we're saying that no one likes you to delay the Maghrib prayer for more than 20 minutes or 15 minutes or half an hour. Yani after that, it's seen as you're delaying the Maghrib prayer. So there's an agreement upon that. But the Hanafi school and the, and the Maliki school are so strict that they say that even in the presence of the hadith which are coming now, they still have to pray that prayer immediately. Meaning the adhan goes, Maghrib needs to be prayed immediately. So what did the Hanbalis say? And the Shafi'is, by the way. They said, if we look at the Prophet ﷺ, there is a number of a hadith that show something different, slightly different. The Prophet ﷺ, uh, the, the, uh, and the Rasul 
The Messenger of Allah said, Sallu qabla al-Maghrib, Sallu qabla al-Maghrib, Sallu qabla al-Maghrib. Wa qala fi thalitha liman shah. Liman shah. The Prophet said, in the hadith which is narrated by Bukhari, in the chapter of Tahajjud, the sub-chapter, As-Salaa Qabla Al-Maghrib, the prayer before Maghrib. So this hadith is as sahih as that, narrated by Abdullah ibn Ghaffal, okay, radiallahu anhu. The Prophet said, pray before Maghrib, pray before Maghrib, pray before Maghrib, if you want to. On the third time, he adds the Liman Shah. Yani, for whoever wants to, for whoever wants to. So that that of course is so that uh, uh, that is so, and 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 uh, uh, Sheikh uh, um, uh, Abdullah bin Mughaffal, the companion, he then made his own statement in a, uh, after he had narrated from the Prophet sallallahu what he just said. He said, so he said this yani, on the third time, Liman Shah, for whoever wants to, in order, in order, so that the people don't take it as a very, very firm sunnah, meaning that it must be done all the time. So you know that there's two types of sunnah, yes, you heard before. Sunnah mu'akkada and sunnah ghir mu'akkada, yes, a sunnah which is emphasized and a sunnah which is not emphasized. So if you, you will see that amongst all the scholars, actually, there's only in the Hanbali school and within the Hanbali school only some narrations, which is the narration here, that consider it to be an actual sunnah mu'akkada to pray these two raka'ah. However, the other statement in the Hanbali Matab, as we say, the, the riwayah, another riwayah, says it's only something which is mustahab. It says recommended. And another riwayah from Imam Ahmed is, is that it is allowed. As for the Shafi'i school, they said that it is a mustahab action, but it's not mu'akkad. It's not emphasized. It's not emphasized. So it's something which can be done, but it's not something which should be done regular. What's an example of regular sunnah? The two raka'ah after maghrib. Okay, for example. Or before fajr, yeah. But before fajr, we don't give that as an example. Remember that for the future. We don't give the two raka'ah of sunnah before fajr, as an example of a sunnah mu'akkada, because it gets messy. It gets messy. Because that has a special, unique status. It's really difficult. It has like a unique status. Because it's, yani, and you know, scholars are always going to have to kind of struggle to try and explain what exactly is the category of two sunnah. Because if it was genuinely two sunnah, right? If it genu- genuinely was just a sunnah recommended, then there would be no basis for it to be prayed when one is traveling. But we know that when you travel, that is the sunnah which the Prophet ﷺ never missed praying. So it gives us a little bit of a headache. So it's something a bit more special than sunnah mu'akkada. So therefore, we say that the two raka'ah of maghrib, which in our minds, I think is very solid, yes? Yeah, we always pray it, yes? And we all know it, that it's not obligatory, but it's like a sunnah, yes? That's the, that's the right kind of uh, attitude. So... Uh, 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 in order to make differentiation between the two raka'ah before the Maghrib prayer and after, that's how we see it. The one after is emphasized, the one before is not emphasized. There are other hadith as well. In Sahih Muslim and in Sahih al-Bukhari, the Prophet, the, the companions, may Allah be pleased with them, كانوا إذا أذن المغرب قاموا يصلون والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يراهم فلم ينهاهم. The 
uh, with the companions. When the adhan would be given, when the adhan was given, they would stand up and pray, and the Prophet ﷺ would see them, and he would not prohibit them. He would not stop them. Okay? This hadith is in Sahih Muslim and in Sahih al-Bukhari. Is that clear? Alright? Very strong hadith. We also have another hadith. Um, is it mentioned here? It is not mentioned here, but I know this narration. The Prophet said, uh, the, the, uh, one of the companions, I forget his name, he came into the masjid. And I also think that this is from As-Sihah. Yani. I think it is uh, uh, from high authenticity. The Prophet said, uh, this companion, he came into the masjid and he said that I, the adhan had been given. And if you were to walk in and you were to see the rest of the companions, that they are all, they've all taken uh, the, the pillars. You know, when we say take a pillar, everyone's, you know, grab the pillar. Meaning that they're praying towards the pillar. Every pillar had been taken. Everyone was praying. And if someone was gharib, min, min al-kharij, yani, someone who does not from the local, local area, they would say, man, we missed the prayer. Meaning that Maghrib has happened, finished, and that they were now praying their sunnah after. That's how people were so, yani, uh, connected to this action. That all of the companions will be praying it regularly, yeah, and he's straight away. So if a person was to come in, he'd look and he'd panic. He'd say, oh man, I've missed Maghrib. They're all praying their sunnah. Actually, the iqamah hasn't even gone for Maghrib yet. Is that clear, everybody? So using these evidences, that's why the ulama, they differed on this issue. The majority, as I said, they said that it is a sunnah action and it should be prayed. And again, the Maliki Madhab, and it's actually been a really interesting discussion in the books of fiqh. How can someone like Imam Malik, especially Malik, and I... In fairness, it should be Abu Hanifa as well, but Malik, you know, he has a much closer kind of connection with Hadith and Medina and so on. So he kind of comes up, he gets, the, he gets more of the blame as such. How can someone like Malik ignore this yani, Hadith and these other Hadith and, you know, what's going on? So first of all, we say no one ignores Hadith. No one ignores Hadith. Everyone has an usul. Everyone has principles of how to make ta'amul or how to interact with the evidences that are put in front of them. And it doesn't matter how authentic the evidences are. Imam Malik, in his mind, he sees all of them to be uh, specified. All of these uh, hadith have to mean something else because it goes against the greater principle, which is the more authentic hadith. For example, the hadith is known as the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, where the Prophet ﷺ was visited by Jibreel, and Jibreel ﷺ came on the first day, and he said to him that the prayer is this time, the prayer is this time, prayer is this time, all five prayers. Then he came the next day, and then he, the Prophet ﷺ was told by Jibreel ﷺ, the prayer is this time, the prayer is this time, the prayer is this time. And then at the end of that day, Jibreel said, by the way, what you now know from the, these two days is that the prayer is in between these two times. Okay? So we had a maximum and a minimum or start and end set for every prayer. And on both days, Jibreel prayed Maghrib at the same time. At the same time. And a number of other narrations which make it very, very clear that there's no leeway for the Maghrib prayer. So when they see this hadith, okay, they say, therefore, these must mean something else. Whereas we say, it doesn't mean something else. It means that you need to definitely pray Maghrib at the same time. But the word same time also has a little bit of flexibility. It doesn't mean the same second. It basically means you can't be delaying it for an hour or half an hour. But within 10-15 minutes, you got some little bit of play there. And that's what you would do. You would delay it for 10-15 minutes yani, in this kind of hudud. Uh, uh, kind yes? And therefore, these hadith are acting in, in the middle. There are some statements in the Maliki matter. By the way, I just want to make something clear as well for those who are amongst, you know, those who like to take good notes. 
that even within the Maliki Madhab itself, there is no Ijma'ah. There are a number of the Malikiya Imams that used to pray this Sunnah, and they did not take by the statement of Malik. Even as I was just checking just now, uh, the narration of Malik comes from Ibn al-Qasim. Remember, uh, uh, when it comes to the position of Imams, you look to the main narrations which are taken from them about they said this. And Malik, like Ahmed bin Hanbal, has a number of key narrations and key students. And the narration of Ibn al-Qasim, of his, of, of his uh, fatawa and fiqh positions, is a very strong one. But it's only one. There are other roots as well. And it's through Ibn al-Qasim that we know that Malik did not, like, did not pray this prayer. Okay? But there are other narrations which suggest that Malik had no problem with it. There are other narrations also which suggest that the way that Malik understood this hadith, or some of the Malikis understood this hadith, is that it's only applicable to those people who are in the masjid waiting. I like that, actually. It makes me feel more comfortable why I'm a Maliki and he didn't kind of uh, apply the hadith or promote the hadith and make people pray. He's basically saying, look, he's saying, uh, imagine this, if you adopt a public position, which is that we pray Maghrib immediately, don't mess about, whatever. Who's he going to be saying that to? The masses mostly. And in order to make sure that they come when they hear the Maghrib, but when they hear the Adhan, they're actually on the way to the Masjid. As opposed to, for example, Zuhr or Isha, whatever, where you would probably hear the Adhan at home and then make your way. So if you want to create some kind of precedent for Maghrib Adhan, for the Maghrib prayer, you create the precedent amongst the people that when you hear the Adhan, you must be coming into the Masjid because we're going to pray. However, if there are people you know, who are good people, who are the people of the masjid, who are actually there at the masjid already, waiting for the prayer, like, like it's sunnah to do from one prayer to the next prayer, then you know what? There's going to be some kind of time period anyway, by the time people come in and so on and so forth, whatever. So this hadith is specifically for them. Now, I'm not saying that that's a good interpretation. It doesn't seem to fit with the hadith. But it's a possible interpretation, and you can understand that, therefore, his, you know, his working out, if that is basically what he's saying. However, as I said, the class position is that, the following. That between Maghrib and, between, between the start time, meaning the Adhan for Maghrib, and the Iqama, it is Sunnah. It is Sunnah to pray two raka'ah and to sit, yani. sit meaning to not pray absolutely immediately. When we're talking two raka'ah, this is not yani, your two raka'ah of glory where you recite Surah Al-Imran and Baqarah, but we're talking yani, something very light, very simple, and just nice and yani, easy in and easy out. Okay? Is that clear, everybody? Okay. Um, and Shaykh Rathameen, then he finishes this point. He goes, it's a sunnah uh, to make the prayers early other than uh, uh, Isha, other than Isha, and Dhuhr, if it is yani, very, very hot. And Sheikh Uthameen, he makes a point. He goes that, yes, our, us as a madhab, as a school, as an opinion, Yani, we definitely believe that all the prayers should be prayed in their beginning time, other than Isha and other than Zuhr when it's very, very hot. But that does not mean that people should pray the prayers so quickly that it doesn't give the people enough time to do the Sunnah. So, for example, the uh, Maghrib or, or, and all of them, all of them, especially Fajr, especially Fajr. And I just want to say that the point that Sheikh Uthameen makes here is very specific. It's almost like he's, yani, he could be speaking about Manchester. Manchester when? 
Ramadan. Manchester in Ramadan, okay, is a major problem. In actual fact, all of the Western countries, especially those of high northern latitude, they are in a major fitna in Ramadan, okay? So the UK, absolutely, Scotland, Canada, some parts of America, Europe, obviously. We have a major, 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 major fitna in this country. It's been going on for the last five, six, seven years, and it will continue for the next ten. And that is that when you see these people who are in Ramadan at the time of summer, where because of the uh, because of our angle and our latitude, you know, longitude, latitude. If you don't go back to your yeah, the school and work it out, but where our position is on the globe then at, during that summer time, you will see that we don't have a complete darkness in the night time. For a number of maybe three months, okay? The given three, four month period, we have this problem. And so therefore, we have what's called a perpetual level of twilight. And this perpetual level of twilight causes confusion among some people because they consider um, the start time of Isha and the start time of Fajr to not necessarily be based upon observation, but rather upon calculations using angle calculations. So Salatul Fajr, for example, is calculated via a formula, and therefore Salatul Fajr yani, is to be prayed at this time, regardless of what it's like outside. So if it's super dark outside, or you can't tell that Fajr is started outside, it doesn't matter because the calculation says X. So for example, if that calculation during the winter time makes the Salah at you know an hour and a half before sunrise, Fajr start time, for example, an hour and a half before sunrise, well, when you put that formula in in the summertime, where the actual uh, 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 the uh, astronomical uh, thingy, uh, astronomical uh, what's the word uh, parameters are different, okay? The astronomical parameters are different. The environmental parameters are different. The formula spits out an answer which says the Fajr starts like four hours before sunrise. Or three and a half hours of sunrise. And that's why you get this yani, crazy. With my dearest respects to all people who hold it. But a crazy opinion that Fajr starts at half past one. Fajr starts at 1.15. Etc, etc, etc. Yes? And so what we have here then, we have this particular scenario. Where people are actually, start, you know, uh, that is the time that they choose for their Fajr. Now I just want to say something here. Okay? Regardless of your opinion, whatever. If people want to stop eating at that time and take their seri at that time, their suhoor, you know, ya ahlul sahlan, zindabad. That's absolutely great. I have no problem with that because you know what? That's a safe position to have. If you're not sure about when to start, whatever, then you know, stop early and khalas. But your salah is something far, far more riskier. You shouldn't be yani, praying your prayer at 1.15, 1.30 when you're not even sure. If you want to be doubtful about eating, that's fine. That's something which you stop doing. So that's no problem. But to do an act of worship, which you know has to be done in Fajr, that's not right. You should wait then for another 3-4 hours. If sunrise, for example, is, is, is down for, I don't know what, 5? Half past 4? Yeah? Half past 4? Okay, sunrise, half past 4? Then you should be praying at 4 o'clock quarter to four, when when you go outside, you can clearly see that the sun is trying to rise. That last hour before sunrise, every single person, man, woman, child, can tell that, you know what, there was darkness, and now it is actually near sunrise. At one, half past one, two, half past two, three, you can't tell nothing. No one can tell anything. It's all the same. All just this diffused lightness. Yeah, and the light kind of, you don't know what's going on, what's what, what's not, and that's the reality that we live in. Now, in this situation... You get these people bringing up their fatwas. Now, you got some masajid, some masajid that 
move away from the nonsensical idea of using calculations in this manner, okay? And they set some kind of uh, uh, arbitrary time, which is more close to, uh, uh, you know, sunrise itself. So, for example, half past four is sunrise. So they'll say, well, you know what? Uh, 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 let's set it at three o'clock, Fajr time. Because that's when we actually physically see a change in the light. And an hour and a half is roughly what normally is for the rest of the year, yani, for the Fajr for the time. And that's my opinion, basically. But we'll talk about that another time. What happens is this is what happens. Because people are waking up at that time, well, half an hour before then, to eat their seri, okay? Masajid, they know all the people are awake and they want them to come to the masjid for the salah. And so what they will do is they will say that 3 o'clock is, you know, they'll, they'll say, for example, 10 to 3 is your imsak or your end of suhoor and 3 o'clock is fajr. Make sure you come and pray. And 3 o'clock is the jama'ah. You know what I'm trying to say? So a person comes, right? And to be honest, we're not even sure. Well, I mean, because they're desperate to try and make you pray and go to sleep. You know, I mean, it's good intentions. I'm not saying it's bad intentions. And so you will come to the masjid, you'll look outside. And, you know, we're talking that it's just starting, just starting now, whatever. And whenever there's going to be doubt, you have to add some time to it. Five minutes, ten minutes. And so the eagerness to ensure that the people are not hanging around waiting after they've eaten, they will establish their obligatory prayer, meaning that you don't get time to pray sunnah. In worst case scenario, you started the fard even before it's right time. A number of masajid are guilty of this. A number of masajid are guilty of this. I think I must talk about it every year, and I certainly will until I die. Okay, right? And it happens every year in Manchester and in the UK especially, in a number of masajid. And, but it's changing slowly. We, we'll, even if we set a target of one masjid at a time, we'll be happy. Alhamdulillah, it took us a couple of years to get this masjid sorted. <laughs> yani, we're just about yani, on the boundaries. Even you'll see, every year there's a fight between me and the trustees every single year. Yani, they're saying a few minutes. I'm saying, no, give me a few minutes. Yani, all over a few minutes. You, know? I, I mean, you, understand their, you understand their angle because they know that all these people are at home. They've had their suhoor. They're awake. Normally, the only reason that people don't come to the masjid is because they feel naked, whatever, you know. And they're all awake, they're all up, and you could come to the masjid. Let's not wake, make them, you know, if we, say, if we say to these people, wait for another 20 minutes, they're just going to go sleep. That's their thinking. And that's, that's what happened. That, that is exactly what, what happens. I'm saying, let them go sleep. I don't care about the other people. Don't ruin my salah. I want to come to the masjid. Another 50 people want to come to the masjid. Other people want to pray salah on time. We get yani, the all-inclusive, yani, you know, kumbaya yani, approach. But, you know... <laughs> of course, find out it's you. Yeah? Well, they know it's me, man. They hate my guts in Ramadan, bro. I am not flavor of the month in Ramadan. Or the rest of the year, for that matter, to be honest. Okay. Uh, okay, so the next point then. Any questions on this? This, this particular point. Okay, all right. Uh, the next statement is uh, Zafar. وَمَنْ جَمْعَ أَوْ قَضَى فَوَائِتَ أَذَّنَ لِلْأُولَى ثُمَّ أَقَامَ لِكُلِّ فَرِيضًا Whoever is combining prayers or making up missed prayers gives the adhan for the first prayer only and then the iqama for every subsequent obligatory prayer. That's perfect. That's very good. Say it again slowly. Whoever is combining prayers or making up missed prayers gives the adhan for the first prayer only 
and then the iqama for every subsequent <coughs> obligatory prayer. Very good. Okay, uh, it's actually a really good translation. Don't know who did that, but it's very, very good. Okay, <laughs> mashallah. I should, I, I cuss myself enough when I get it wrong, so I should also deserve you and pat on the back when I get it right. Because that's, that's, hard, that's, hard, that's hard work, that translation, because there's a lot, again, a number of points here as well. Did you see the last statement for every subsequent obligate, obligatory prayer? When you're combining prayers, how many prayers are there? Two. So why would I say subsequent obligatory prayer? Why would I translate it as every subsequent obligatory prayer? Which, which might indicate that? Huh? No, 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 I thought you got it, man. That's why I asked. Yeah. There are, uh, there, 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 it has to be translated like that, every subsequent obligatory prayer, because it might be that you've missed five prayers. Does that make sense? Yeah? Uh, I, I, I'll give you an example in a minute. Anyway, so there's a number of issues in this. First of all is the issue of combining. Of, of course, this is not the section for combining. That takes its own yani, uh, life when it comes to it. And he says that uh, later. Uh, it will come, inshallah, the reasons and how, of why we combine, when we combine, etc., etc. Combining, when you hear the word combining, it only means uh, two things. It means what? Combining between dhuhr and asr, in either the dhuhr time or the asr time, and maghrib and isha, in either the maghrib time or the isha time. That's all it refers to. Okay, so when we're talking about the jama'ah, which is the, this is a two-part issue, okay, first is missed prayers and then combined prayers. When it comes to the combined prayers, then it's very, very clear. If you are combining a prayer, you will make an adhan for the first prayer, and then you will make an iqama for each one. There is no second adhan. It's simple as that. That is the position of the school, and it is our taught position as well. The evidence for that is what was narrated in Sahih Muslim. From the hadith of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu, and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Adhana fi Arafa, thumma aqam, fasalla dhuhr, thumma aqam, fasalla al asr, wa kadalika fi muzdalifa, haythu adhana wa aqam, fasalla al maghrib, thumma aqam, fasalla al isha. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as narrated by Jabir, he gave the adhan in Arafa. Listen carefully to the translation. Adhana fi Arafa, he gave the adhan in Arafa. Then he gave the iqama and then prayed zuhr. Then he gave the iqama and then he prayed asr. So on the day of Arafah, as you know, you will pray zuhr and asr together. So that's very clear that one adhan and two iqamas. And then likewise in Muzdalifa, when he gave the adhan and the iqama, then he prayed maghrib. Then he gave the iqama and he prayed isha. So in Muzdalifa again, what happened? Maghrib and Isha prayed together. One Adhan, two Iqamas. Uh, the, the, that's the evidence. What's the ta'leel? What's the reasoning? Why is that? Because um, as Al-An, because we've combined, it's become one. That's it, simple as that. Because the prayers have been combined, the adhan was to en- was to enter. The, the adhan is to indicate the entry of the prayer. Well, now that we have entered the prayer time, we've combined the two prayers, so they're like one to end the story. Okay, that's the that's the reason uh, for it. The second issue is the one about missed prayers. Now, missed prayers needs to be explained. 
Okay, even though this comes later, but because, you know, I, I'm very fearful of just entering into this and not explaining it properly, that could be, you know, a, 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 lot, of, a lot of problems. You know, um, uh, and by the way, what's the evidence for this and, and, and how did it happen? This happened to the Prophet Sallallahu when? In Al-Ahzab, okay, right? In the, when he fought the Ahzab, yani the Confederates, you know that it became very, very hardcore. The, the battle was very, very extreme. And it led to the Prophet ﷺ missing nearly all of the prayers. Okay, because it was just constant fighting, constant fighting, constant fighting. And so therefore, as Shaykh Uthameen says, if the fawaqit are muta'addida, yani if there are a number of prayers that have been missed, so we'll, we'll take five for this example. So then you only give the adhan for one time, and then every single individual prayer you give the iqamah. Because that is what has been established from the Prophet وسلم, in uh, Ahzab. In Ahzab. And I will give you the hadith reference because it says here 146, just so that you have it. Uh, no, one fourth. Sorry, one four three. Uh, noted by Imam Ahmed, and by and that's the yani, volume three, hadith number twenty five, and it's been narrated by Imam Al Nasai, hadith number six hundred and sixty, and the hadith was considered to be authentic by Ibn Khuzaimah and Ibn Hibban. And, and Ibn Sakan and Ibn Sayyid al-Nas, I love this scholar's name, Ibn Sayyid al-Nas, he said, he said, Isnaduhu Sahih Jalil. This has a very, very nice and authentic chain. Nice, authentic chain. Okay? Wallahu Shahid min Hadith Abdullah bin Mas'ud, and he has a number of supporting evidences in other uh, collections as well. This hadith is authentic. What is the hadith that the Prophet ﷺ, he missed four prayers in Khandaq, yani Ahzab, and then he made them up one after the other. Four prayers missed, and he made them up one after the other. So that is the evidence. One adhan and individual points. Now, let's, make, let's mention something important. Let's actually talk about qada, or as Pak's known, qaza, yeah? <laughs> because, you know, that's how it's known. Um, there's a lot of confusion about this concept. So I want you to write down that when it comes to the prayer, okay, um, it is of three types. It can it can only only ever fall into three categories. Ada, okay, ada, iada, and qada. So the first type is ada, which is performing on time. Ada, performing on time. The second is i'ada, repetition, repeating it within the time, repeating it within the time, and then I'm giving examples of this. And then finally, what we call qaza or qaza, which is to pray it after its time. So, prayer on time, performed correctly, ada, and uh, you know, as we say in Urdu, namaz, ada Yes. So the same yani Urdu word. Right? Do your namaz. You like the one, Yeah? MashaAllah. Did you understand, Ashaz? Yeah? 
Yeah? Okay. Even if Shazad understands this Urdu, then it must be really easy Urdu. <laughs> okay? Right. So, Namaz Adakaro. Okay, Iada, of course, doesn't have an Urdu equivalent. It comes from Ada. You know? You know, uh, just as an interesting point, Iada means yeah, to repeat. Yeah? From Ada, the Arabic verb of Ada, to, to, to occur again, to happen again, to do again. And that's, of course, why uh, the word Eid comes from the verb Ada. Because the word Eid means the day which comes back again and again and again. And it's basically a holiday. Yeah? So that's the second type. And the third is Qada. Let me give you the exact examples of each one and the exact definitions. Fal-Ada, Imam Sheikh Uthameen, alayhi rahmatullah, says on the page uh, 80. By the way, if you are following the text, I think that in my, my Arabic, I have written it for you in the Arabic. Uh, the next line. Is it there? Okay, anyone who's following the book, Sharh Mumtah, okay, then this version, the one that we have uploaded onto the uh, portal online, everybody, okay, so make a note of this, that the version on the portal, on page 80, it says, وَيَسَنُّ there, I don't know if they were focusing on that, yeah, it says, وَيَسَنُّ, and it should be more correctly, وَيُسَنُّ, okay, وَيُسَنُّ, Yusannu with a dhamma. That's just in this text. I think in the one that I've given you, I've corrected it already. Okay, so, ada. It is, ma fu'ila fi waqtihi li awwal marra. That which is performed within its time for the first time. Okay? Or first time round. First time round. That which is performed in its right time, first time round. Okay? That which is performed in its right time, first time round. I'ada. مَا فُعِلَ فِي وَقْتِهِ مَرَّةً ثَانِيَةً That which is performed in its right time for the second time. That which is performed in its right time for the second time. Okay? That's what it means. إِعَادَة And القضاء مَا فُعِلَ بَعْدَ وَقْتِهِ That which is performed after its time. That which is performed after its time. An example of the um, so the first one is what we just did. We prayed Isha. Yes? Okay? We prayed Isha and Mu'adh, Mu'adh? Yes, Mu'adh. Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu an, what he would do is, uh, so that prayer Isha is, is, is ada for us. That's ada. Okay? For Mu'adh ibn Jabal, it would be also ada. And then as he said in Bukhari, he would then go to his own tribe. Because they've got no one to lead them, he would then lead them in prayer. When he leads them in prayer, their prayer, it is what? Ada. And his prayer, I'ada. You happy with that? He prays for the second time, within the same correct time, and whatever. Now, uh, the, other, the famous hadith, where this comes from, is the statement of the Prophet ﷺ. Tell me about this. إِذَا صَلَّيْتُمَا فِي رِحَالِكُمَا ثُمَّ أَتَيْتُمَا مَسْجِدَ الْجَمَاعَةِ فَصَلِّيَا مَعَهُمْ فَإِنَّهَا لَكُمَا نَافِلًا Okay, I'll translate this hadith. If you pray in your homes, if you pray in your homes and then you come to the masjid, then pray with them. And it will be for you a nafal. It will be a extra reward. What's this hadith? Who can tell me about this hadith? Anyone? Uh, the, um, 
when you pray, I'm not actually trying to translate, I actually not translating it exactly because it gives it away if I translate it exactly. But now I'll translate it exactly now that you don't know. If you too pray in your homes and then you both come to the masjid, then pray with them and it will be written for your, you two as a nafal, an extra reward. What's the hadith? The second one. Yeah, this hadith I just, I just, I just said, yeah, what is it? The second one. Yes, uh, the second, of course, yeah, the second one. I'm just saying, what is this hadith? Anyone know? Is it uh, when the two uh, men traveled and they came to the masjid but they didn't pray and then they questioned why they didn't pray? Excellent. Well done. That's exactly the hadith, okay? This hadith narrated by Imam Ahmed and it is Sahih, okay? It is narrated by Imam Ahmed and it is Sahih. Um, hadith number 575. Two men came to the masjid, okay? And at Fajr time. And the Fajr Jama'ah was established. And these two guys, they basically sat at the back. Nicely, politely, not getting in the way, whatever. Afterwards, the Prophet ﷺ said, What's happened? Why didn't you join the Jama'ah? They said, Ya Rasulullah, we prayed at home. We just thought we'd come to the masjid, and so on and so forth. The Prophet ﷺ said, If you pray at home, and then you come to the masjid, then pray with the people. Pray with the people, and it'll be written for you as a nothing. It's an extra prayer. So the prayer at home was ada, and the prayer in the masjid is i'ada, and it counts as a nothing. And the final one is then qada. What is the qada? Qada is what happened to the Prophet ﷺ. It has to be for a shari reason. It is not permissible. It doesn't matter how many times your parents make you believe this <laughs> and your culture makes you believe it and that you keep telling yourself that my, my clothes are napak and my, my, you know, I don't know what kind of lame excuses you know, packs come up with yani, at work. But every excuse under the sun that I can't pray at work, I, can't, I don't have time, I don't have space, I don't have wudu, I don't have blah, 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 blah. It's not permissible for you to intentionally say, I'll pray when I get home. I'll pray all the prayers when I get home. I'll do this. It's not allowed. It's not allowed. Okay? So, I just want to also, so, so, so that's my own point. There's a, there's a technical point here as well that we need to remember. Is it correct to say that every single prayer done after its time should be called qada? No. Because? Uh, he can say yes, if, uh... Prayer, you say, if you, you are knocked out, let's say, or you, you miss Fajr. You miss Fajr because? <coughs> because of any reason, as in, if you set your alarm. Okay, you, good. If you, if you took all the so we've got a person who's a normal guy, no messing about, goes to sleep on time, he sets his alarm for Fajr, okay? And he doesn't wake up. And sunrise is what now? Six? Right, six twenty. All right, so six, so six twenty, and he wakes up at seven. Okay, carry on. Then he. Um, We've already covered, right? What has to happen? Yes, yeah. when he wakes up. I don't know where we covered it, but we covered it, right? I think. But anyway, we're going to cover that in much more detail. At seven, he needs to now pray, isn't it? Because he's now aware of the prayer. Carry on. Makes a door. Um, about the other, I'm not sure. I think it's the other. By himself, if he is somewhere where the adhan has not been given, then you know he should. 
It's not obligatory as we know, but if he's by himself, he should. If he's in a Muslim kind of area or near a community like this, he would have known that the masjid would have given the adhan for the area anyway. So it's covered, but it's good for him to give the adhan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And what's your point? That's what he does. What's your point? This prayer is Ada. Yep. And not Qada. Because? Because it's on time. Okay? That's what Abdul Basit is, is saying. It's on time. Does that make sense to you? It's after its time, but that's its time. It's after its time, but it's, that is its time. This is a discussion that the scholars have. That's why Abdul Basit said this is the position of Ibn Taymiyyah, and he's right. A number of scholars disagreed with this. They said this is just playing with words. And, and actually, even Sheikh Al-Hameen here mentions that, yes, some of the ulama, and when I teach this in Fiqh Salah, I do say that, you know what, this could be more semantic than it is actually real. And what, semantic in, in Arabic, we call it khilaf lovely. Yeah, and it's just basically how people are defining it. But I want you to understand what, what we're talking about, right? If a person um, prays, if a person, qada uh, has a negativity associated with it, the phrase, qada. Well, not, not as packs, we don't have a negativity. <laughs> <laughs> as packs is the greatest thing in the world, yeah, it's complete normal, yeah, yeah. And what I'm saying is that we, from a cultural point of view, need to create negativity around the concept of qada, big time. All right, it's a major, major issue. No one should feel comfortable with qada for one second. Do you understand? And so, therefore, um, there is a psychological impact as well. Now, if a person fulfills all of the conditions and without any blame of his own, he misses the prayer, like the Prophet at Khandaq, or uh, when he fought the Ahzab. And a person fajr, or even any other prayer, he forgets it. Yani, it's permissible to forget a prayer. You know, like a person's busy working, and he looks at the watch, and Maghrib started. He thinks, oh my goodness, I didn't pray Asr. Yes? So, uh, remember the Prophet ﷺ said that the prayer is to be prayed when he wakes up, or when he remembers it. And so therefore, if you genuinely forgot, then that time now becomes the actual time for the prayer. Now, the reason other scholars said that's nonsense is because... When you say the actual time for the prayer, then there should be some flexibility. You should say, oh, well, okay, let me go and take a shower. Let me go and have something to eat. Let me go and do, you know what I'm saying? If that's its time. But all the scholars say, no, no, <laughs> you've got to pray right there and then. Right? So it's almost like they're saying it is adapt, but within a very restrict, restricted time kind of scale. So to be honest, it's a, it's a semantic discussion. The point is, is that you either call it qada or adat, but there is, this is a unique uh, situation. Okay, everybody? Um... Uh, but the main thing is the main thing is the main thing is that they agree and that's the point for us the scholars agree it doesn't matter whether you call it ada or qada both parties they agree that whatever you call it you will still make the adhan and the iqama for it after its original time that's the lesson for you that's what you need to write down that's what the, the point that you need to, to memorize from this. Because we haven't actually entered the part of combining prayers, missing prayers, late prayers. We're still in the chapter of when the adhan and the iqama should be given. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay? So we're still in a different thing. Yeah? Is there any madhad that um, says that uh, this other prayer is, you, you are basically sinful? Uh, no. No. There is no madhab that says, or there's no valid opinion that says that a person who out of their control missed a prayer and then prayed it when they remembered it or woke up, is sinful. 
There's no, there's no madhab for that. The, 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 the scholars are all agreed, of course, that if there's any kind of contribution to that happening, then major, major sinful, etc., etc., etc. Yeah? So it's about yani, your actions. You knowing that you're going to miss it if you go to sleep late and you continue to go to sleep late. You watching something, playing internet, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. All the different realm of actions that could happen that would contribute to that. Okay, good. Uh, yes? I said some people, they repeat the two prayer after they do uh, two mass prayers. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that um, I, I don't mind answering that because I like the, yani, the connection. Although that's something completely different. The brother says, I see some people that repeat the Dhuhr prayer after the Jum'ah prayer. The reason the brother's asking is because we talked about a repetition of the prayer within its time. But then that's completely the opposite. Okay? First of all, when people do that, they don't do it because of this issue. They do that because they, they're not sure whether they were, were legitimately valid to pray only two rak'ah Jum'ah. It's mostly done by women. Okay? It has no basis, by the way. It is not something which is, in fact, for me, it's bid'ah, and it should not be done, and haram to do. Okay? A person, if they are valid for Jum'ah, then they pray Jum'ah, and khalas. But sometimes some people, maybe musafir, maybe women, maybe whoever, they pray the Jum'ah, and they're not sure whether they are uh, allowed to pray Jum'ah. Or, you know, because Jum'ah, you can say two rak'ah, is like a favor, right? It's like a discount, right? Or concession. And because they're not sure whether they were worthy of that, they say, to be on the safe side, I'll pray dhuhr as well. That's what they do. They don't repeat dhuhr, which is what you said. They pray dhuhr as well. So there's two rak'ah, and then there's a four rak'ah. So that's not i'adah. That's not i'adah. That is this coming from this mistaken idea that if my jum'ah is not accepted, or there's some doubt about... The, and there are a few other reasons as well. Mostly amongst the Shafiq Madhab. But yani, there's some reasons there. But it is, if you do Jum'ah, you do Jum'ah. Or if you miss Jum'ah, then you pray Dhuhr. There's no both. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't accept and doesn't want even two acts of ibadah for the same action. Yeah? Okay. Yes. Yes. So, for example, say if you, um, say you prayed, you prayed Dhuhr already. Yeah. And then you don't remember and you go to another masjid who's, gonna, who's praying a bit later and you forget and you pray again. Is that still best uh, yada? But then is that because you thought then you realized like halfway through that oh yeah, I've already prayed. So is that all right? So I mean, you, you so you made the question easier. I thought you were going to say and then you don't know, right? I mean, it's obvious what you just said is that the second one is an effort of prayer. If you forgot that you've prayed the prayer and then you pray again without the intention of yada, but with the intention of it being obligatory, it automatically becomes nafal. Because it can't be obligatory because you've already done that, yes? So you're either going to break the prayer, which is not something that you should do, Yanni, when you are started already, okay? There's no legitimate reason for you to break it. So you continue, it becomes a nafil and end the story. The real question was, is that what if you didn't realize? What if you forgot and you finished it all together? Does it automatically become a nafil? And the answer is yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. Sheikh, what if, for example, you prayed at home and then there's a jamaat function or something like that? Some people say that you should make the intention that the one that you prayed at home was nafal or whatever, and then the one that you prayed. Yeah, yeah, good, 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 good question, good question. So, sister says that um, if you are going out somewhere and you uh, know they're probably going to pray there, maybe, maybe not, whatever, but you pray at home first, and what should the intention be? Because people say that prayer at home 
and that intention should be the nafal and then the one that you do over there at the masjid then that should be the obligatory okay and that's a real disaster that is okay it's the exact other way around you can never base it upon uncertainty and the first one is never the uh, 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 nafal so there's two mistakes there like first of all people ascertain and get the job done and then before they take a risk and secondly the first of two actions cannot be the nafal so the prayer at home becomes obligatory and if you then get to pray it becomes a nafal and you get the extra reward of the jama'ah etc 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 yes ma'am Juices. No. Excuses. Excuses. What's an excuse? Can I she wants to demonstrate. Oh, you want to demonstrate? <laughs> I can't go to school today. Why are you running bunches? This girl's nuts. <laughs> well, she's absolutely nuts, this girl is. You know that? I swear. It's, it's, okay. okay. The next. Okay, the next time that I answer one of her questions, can someone slap me really hard? Yeah? Okay, I said to myself, I'm not gonna answer her questions. It's a big fat, tiny, nice fish. Psh, just slap me right there. Okay, yeah, we'll go. See, okay, then. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think this might be the thick of salah, like you said later on. Yeah. Yeah, so this is completely a different thing, all right? And definitely we're not going to touch that now. But the brother's saying that what about those people who know it's a prayer which is obligatory upon them and they don't pray, uh, you know, because they say I'm lazy or I can't do it or I'm a great Muslim, my heart's clean, what kind of nonsense, Yanni? <laughs> Standard Yanni pack behavior, right? And they miss years and years and years of prayer. What's their situation? That's something completely different. Something completely different, yeah? Uh, in summary, in summary, all four imams say that they have to make up every single one of those prayers and they, they tell you to do it as quick as, as you possibly can and whenever you can after every obligatory prayer that you do now or do it in groups of 10 or do it in groups of 20, blah, blah, blah. And the minority position, which is the position of Ibn Taymiyyah Ibn Qayyim, is that there is no making up of prayers after its long and intentional uh, absence from you and period of time past. It's gone. It was time restricted. The concept of qada, this is interesting, the concept of qada is a time-restricted one. Meaning that um, if, for example, I miss prayers today, I've got to make it up. No one disagrees about that. Or yesterday, or day before yesterday. But the idea is that if it was 10, 10, 20 years ago, then the second group of scholars, Ibn Taymiyyah, etc., they make a difference between the missed prayers of a last day or few and that which is done a year ago or five years ago or 20 years ago, etc. But it's, no, no. Uh, it's, no, a, it's, a huge, it's a huge, it's a it's a huge issue. Yeah. Back on that other, so, the, so those scholars who say qada is time limited, you said all four of the imams said that. So the qada was defined in the first place as somebody who had a genuine reason, and you said those scholars said the person who had a genuine reason, for example, they woke up at seven a.m. and fajr, they prayed, that became the time of fajr. So how did they? No, not all, not all of them said that. That's what that's what so that's why we that's why we asked the question. We said Ibn Taymiyyah said, said it is ada. Only Ibn Taymiyyah. So, so, so what is, to his definition, what is Qadr then? That's why I said we're not going to get into it. Okay. It's a huge issue. Huge issue, yes. Okay, so um, uh, the brother says that if a person has missed the Dhuhr and his Asr, 
and it's now time for Maghrib, what does he do? Um, does he pray Maghrib or does he pray the Dhuhr and the Asr? And the answer is that as long as he has, still has time to pray Maghrib, he has to pray Dhuhr first, then the Asr, then the Maghrib. So as long as there is plenty of time. And if, if uh, plenty of time, I mean Maghrib to Isha is the time, not 15 minutes. Okay? So if it is, you know, if, as long as he's got half an hour left to Isha, then he prays Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib. If he had one minute left for Isha, then he has to pray Maghrib. Because he's got to get that in its time, and then he prays his Dhuhr and then his Asr. Okay? And I, I, that's just my personal opinion, by the way. In this issue, there are a number of different opinions. A number. We'll come to that in its right time, inshallah. Yeah. Speaking before that, um, for a Qadha to be valid, it has to be done immediately at the point one remembers. Yeah. yeah. And by the immediately, we mean as immediate as anything else in the practical world. For example, as we covered in Fiqh Salah, even the Shafi'i, even the Hanafi school and the Maliki school, well, actually I should say, the Shafi'i school and the Maliki school, when they say that you've got to pray your Maghrib immediately, they all don't mean immediately. They mean enough time for you to go home, have a shower, get changed, and come to the masjid. And that's why the scholars, they generally said 15 minutes, 20 minutes, even though they define that as immediately. For example, I was thinking about someone's working, yep. and it's winter, and yep. they're mid-thawed. Yes. 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 But you know what? I'm mid-thawed anyway. Yes. I'm not carrying on working, and I'll pray the order I said later on. Yes. Is that permissible? So hold on. So, so there's, there's, there's two issues here. Yani, if, you're, if a person says, I'm not going to pray Asr now either because I can't, hmm. which is indicated in your question, hmm. then, and they decide to combine, that's something else. They'd have, to make the, they'd have to make the intention for combining. You see, we're opening up another whole other chapter. This is what happens when we talk about things where they're not in the right time. But that's what you'd have to do. A person cannot intentionally say, oh my days, I, can't, I didn't pray Dhuhr. Uh, I've missed it now, so I might as well pray later. You can't do that. You have to pray it there and then. Okay? However, if there was, for example, someone who's really busy at work, I don't know, blah, 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 you know, stress job, can't get a second, even a second time, yeah, and even a minute, he can't get. And so he misses the dhuhr. And then when he wakes, when he becomes aware of it, he goes, oh my God, I didn't pray dhuhr. And I can't pray dhuhr now either. So I'm, Ya Allah, accept it as combining. And I would combine with Asr. And so he is therefore now putting forth to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an excuse, which by the way would have been accepted if, even if he said it in dhuhr. So at dhuhr time, if he knew it, I can't pray dhuhr. And he has an excuse. Okay? He has a valid excuse, and obviously that's a whole chapter in itself. And then, and he says, I need to combine. Then he would then pray it later. So that's the kind of intention he had to have. But if he didn't have the intention of combining in the Asr time, and he just says, ah, oh, you know what, I'll just pray it now. It's not possible. Say that again, sorry? Qadha is for when you've missed the prayer. Qadha is for when you missed the prayer. Under what circumstances would you pray that in Jama'ah? That you need an alarm when you can't? Um, okay, so, so, uh, so the question is, is that Qadha is for... Is, uh, uh, say again. For missed prayer, a person would need a jama'ah for the adhan and the iqamah. So why would you make the adhan and the iqamah? Yeah? So there's two points there. Number one, no, the adhan and the iqamah is not for a jama'ah. It is, as we said, it is, uh, to remind ourselves, it is a sunnah, okay, 
for the individual as much as, much as it is for the jama'ah. Let's, let's remind ourselves that a person by themselves, the adhan and the iqama is a sunnah for them alone as well, as well as it is for the congregation. Okay, number one. Number two, just to actually go ahead with the scenario as well, there can be a congregation, and that would be when a group of you have missed the prayer, as what happened to the Prophet ﷺ in the Fajr when they prayed outside of Medina, and he told Bilal to make the adhan, and they prayed it together. So the adhan and iqama yani connection here is something which happens across the board, whether you're alone or not. Okay? I was thinking that I was going to do the next part, but it's now uh, late on that. So let's just finish off with questions on the, um, uh, online. Start some. <coughs> Okay, if if you miss the khut, sorry, the call coming in, all that one. If you miss this the, the problem. You, you say that you say the qaza word, you're dead. <laughs> I knew Yanni there was going to be a mission. Yanni, I was thinking, should I miss out this page or not? Whatever. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. say the qaza, khalas. Adhan, iqam, we don't care about that. Let's talk about qaza. Go. I've not filtered these. I'm just going <laughs> to. Not filtering. Yeah. <laughs> For an ind- individual at home, should they also sit after praying two sunnah after the beginning time, as indicated on what the a time question. Table, for example? What a shot. So the question is, is that if a person is praying at home and not in the masjid, should they, should they also do this act? And the answer is that there's no evidence to suggest that they are excluded from it. There's no evidence to suggest that they are excluded from it. So, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So yes, a person at home, uh, they can. There are some that said it is restricted to the masjid. I want to make that clear. There are some that said that it is restricted to the masjid. But I'm, I'm, from my side, I'm just saying there was the evidence for that. I, I can't see the evidence for that. So therefore, if the adhan goes, it is good for a person to pray. And by the way, we're going to come to a little bit. We're going to come to this maybe next week, maybe week after. That also we know that the Prophet ﷺ said that in general that there is a prayer between the adhan and the iqama anyway, almost like for the adhan, almost. And so therefore that would apply to people at home anyway as well. Okay, so you pray at home. Yes. Um, I wonder why some scholars say. I wonder why some scholars say one cannot make up years and years of missed prayers. Shall I leave that one. Yeah, leave that one definitely okay. because no one says one cannot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you missed the khutbah and you come, and you came to the start of the Jummah salah. Do I have to pray normal dhuhr salah? Pray two with Jamaah and finish the two by myself? Yeah. Okay. I'll answer it just because you know we are open that door. Okay. <laughs> If a person comes late to the khutbah and he starts the Jum'ah prayer but misses the khutbah, then he's fine or she's fine and they pray the Jum'ah prayer. Okay? Um, the only time where they actually pray the Zuhr prayer is that if this person comes so late that they miss the, the second raka'ah in the second... Uh, sorry, they miss the second ruku' in the second raka'ah. Does that, does that make sense? Okay? So if you come... When the Imam goes, in his final raka'ah of Jum'ah, and you come from that point onwards, at any point of that prayer, then you stand up and you pray four raka'ah dhuhr. You miss Jum'ah. Okay? And we'll speak about that in detail in its right time. And there's a lot of discussion about that. The only time that you're allowed to pray Jum'ah is if you come in the first raka'ah or in the second raka'ah before you go down, before Imam goes down. Okay? Yeah. Karen, find the questions. Yeah. 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 To pray in, in the masjid, you mean? Yeah. The, the, so, so, so the brother saying, yeah, what's the evidence for that? I mean, we'll talk about the evidences for the rawatib in the in the section it comes to. 
the, 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 the Prophet ﷺ never missed these two raka'ah after Maghrib. But did he pray them in a the masjid? No. There's no evidence to show that he ﷺ prayed these two sunnah in a masjid. But generally people do because they believe that if they go home they're not going to pray. So that's why it's okay. It's like they can pray in a masjid. No problem. Come. You're not sure about something? Are you talking about before? Or are you talking about afterwards? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, no. It's, so, that, that, so, 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 so that's a good point. This two raka'ah before Maghrib is not part, yeah, it's not part of the sunnah mu'akkada, which makes up the 12. Yani of, of, a, of per day, which if a person does pray every day regularly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will build him a house in paradise. Yes. Sometimes I've seen women pray four rakat sunnah because they've missed the they don't have an opportunity to pray four rakat before Jummah. Is that permissible to make? Is it permissible? Is something else? And that's a big discussion because the discussion that you're opening is that are there any sunnah for Jummah? And that's a separate discussion. That's a huge separate thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not not today. That's also another one, another another issue. Uh, one, one second, online. Um, what does a person do if he's missed asr and it's time uh, and it's maghrib time and he's just entered into the masjid to pray the jamaat for maghrib? Yeah, does don't he... ask that question. That's the that's the big difficult question, which has like I said, thirteen different opinions. <laughs> Literally thirteen different opinions. Literally. But I will just say for this person who's asking that question, don't go to the masjid. And if they go to the masjid, then they should pray the Maghrib, and then they should then pray the Asr and pray the Maghrib again. I don't want to confuse this person. <laughs> which I already have. Yeah, yeah. You see, this is the problem when you're opening big issues. It's a very, very difficult issue about that. When a person, he hasn't prayed Asr, comes to the masjid, Maghrib started, why did you go to the masjid in the first place? You shouldn't have. You should stay outside, go somewhere else, whatever. Baba Jay, no? Yep. So... Regarding the hadith where the two people came to Salah yes. back, uh, was that during Fajr prayer? Yes. So the question is, and they've asked this for Asr as well, if you yes. pray the Fajr and Asr at home, yes. you shouldn't really be praying after Good. that. Good. So Very good question. Yeah? Not not for now. <laughs> <laughs> Very good question. Yeah. No. <laughs> Those people who know they shouldn't, shouldn't. Let the people who are just yani. Yani, whatever packs it, then we packs. We don't, we do not descend to that level. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, slow down, bro. My man took it to 12 raka'ah in six days. Okay. On the topic. What happened about Adhan and Iqama? That's what I want to know. <laughs> what happened about Adhan and Iqama? Yeah. So just to clarify about the missed prayers. Yep. So, say for example, uh, you missed Zuhur Maghrib and Isha, uh, sorry, Zuhur Asr Maghrib and it's Isha time, so you have to pray all in order. All in order, one Adhan, and if you're in a Muslim area, that Adhan is not obligatory. Adhan, adhan is not obligatory anyway. Okay? This is the class now, look at this, amazing, huh? The class, right? So, you'd give the Adhan if you want, yani at home. But the adhan in the area like this, the adhan has covered the area, khalas, and then for every individual prayer, in order, there's an iqama. Finish the prayer, stand up, make the iqama again, pray the zahar. Yes, right. Yeah, I mean, if, there's, if, there was, if, there was a, if there was a number of people, if there was a number of people, 
then you can pray Jama'ah. Are you talking about the Sunnah? No, just talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no Sunnah. Yes. Adhan and Iqam both Sunnah, yeah. I didn't really catch if you covered this in the past few weeks, but if, if you say I come to the masjid and I'm traveling, yep. and they've prayed, yep. this suggests that I should give the Adhan. I mean, may, okay, I don't have to. Correct. Is it good if I give Correct, the correct, correct, correct. If a person came, okay, and the masjid is empty though, yani, not yani, to disturb other people because while yani, it is obvious that the Adhan has been given, the people of the masjid are using that Adhan, it's yani, not right to repeat it yani, in a masjid. That, but that almost falls into bid'ah. It creates yani, a level of instability. The idea of, yani, look, in actual fact, it's directly against the... Uh, we did cover it two weeks ago. The hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said to the people who were going out on a journey, he said that, yani, one of you make the adhan. Remember when I said that? And that statement means, it's an evidence that both are not meant to make the adhan. If you go look back in the notes, it indicates that only one person is made to give the adhan. Yet we know that the, to give the adhan is dhikr, ibadah, mustahab, yani sunnah, it's all good. Yani, so we should all try to do it. صح? Yet the Prophet ﷺ clearly said that if there's a group of you, then let one of you make the adhan. Meaning that if a person, second one, the third one, gave the adhan, whether there and then, or after one another, or after half an hour, it'll be bid'ah, it'll be going against directly what the Prophet ﷺ told them to do, which is let one of you make the adhan. So a person would not give the adhan unless, as I said, he comes to the masjid and he's not sure whether the adhan's been given, not given, or he's in a university masjid, or the roadside masjid. Always we used to give the adhan again. Never sure. You never know who's come, not come. You know? And you know, it's the other thing, isn't it? The other thing, this is from my own experience of these places and certainly when uh, you know, at uni as well, um, is that you always assume, isn't it? Someone must have done it. Someone must have done it. The problem is that everyone is saying that thing. Everyone walks into that hall is saying, someone must have done it. And then no one does it. Because everyone thinks someone else has done, has done it. So you do it. You do it. In that scenario. Yeah. It's not obligatory. It's not obligatory. At no point in our class position, not obligatory. Um, say someone is living in a Muslim country where the azan is given at a mosque with a loudspeaker. Yes. And they live in a house where they can hear the azan. Yes. And someone else lives in a house where they can't hear the azan. Yes. In which situation do they... Both do not need to give the adhan because it is not the, the, the ruling of the adhan being given again is not connected to whether you hear it or not. What if someone speaks to you during that entire period of time? What if Yanni or wife starts to sing to you, for example? I don't know, Yanni. Yeah. Who knows? She might be, you know, singing nice ghazal. Huh? Or sleeping. But you're so boring, aren't you? Sleeping. It's a standard French answer, yeah, no, sleeping. Where's the action, bro? Yeah, where's the romance? Gusta man. So you don't hear it. So yeah, my point is, my, 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 my point is is that no, it doesn't change the ruling. If a person if he's in that locality, as we explained a couple of weeks ago, locality is a theoretical construct where this is my local masjid. You might hear it, not hear it, the speaker might be working, not working. So, no, there is no necessarily, I never heard the adhan, I've got to give it again. Oh, I did hear the adhan, I don't have to give it again. No, the adhan for that area has been given, you don't need to give it. And if you want to give it again anyway because you're not going to go to the masjid, then it's sunnah to make the adhan. We always want to encourage people to make the adhan. The only time, let me make it clear, everyone here, all of you should be making the adhan and the iqamah as much as possible. That's the top position of this class.
The only, if you're going to make it really easy, if you want me to sum up the whole year so far, yeah, the only time that you shouldn't is exactly in this scenario that was just described. When there's a group of you or you're in an area where it was just given, that's the only time that you do not give it again because it's like yani, you're creating doubt and bid'ah in the issue. Is that clear, everybody? Yeah? Online, are we done? Yeah. yeah. No relevant one, please. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be on the subject, yeah. So, what you just said, that made me think, when uh, there's a, I don't know, I'm thinking about um, Egypt, where they have one other unified for uh, all the masajid. But when, in, let's say, in, in Saudi, for example, all the masajid, they're going to give a one other in each, and some masajid could be very, very close to each other. So, is it unified? Yeah, well, it is, but not from, but, but via, by, via the, the radio. Yeah, it's not a person. Yeah, and go on. So, is that a problem? That in terms of what? what, what which one do I what do, uh, take as a ruling? No, no, no. You know when you said, uh, let's say... Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yani, they're all close enough to each other and whatever. It is a problem. It is a problem. I think it's a problem. But other scholars don't think it's a problem. There is a discussion about it. Basically, Abdul Basit says that if you're in a place like Saudi, okay... And like Masar, yani, in certain areas where CC hasn't got his hands on, yani, okay? And many of the Muslim areas, actually, frankly, many Muslim countries, the masajid are loads, literally every, yani, whatever. And, you know, there is no nice adhan. It's just a cacophony of, uh, you know, what's happening, yani, what's going on, yes? And so, so you know, I'm not, a fa- I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of that. Some people will say, no, what do you mean you're not a fan of that? You just said that it's an act of ibadah, blah, 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 blah. Everyone is not together. They're in their own separate areas. And that's why I say, yes, I agree. It's a difficult issue. It requires this jihad. Scholars will have their own opinions. My own opinion is that they should come together, have some common sense, and one place should make the azan, whatever. Neither opinion is invalid. You can't say each one's bid'ah or one the other bid because it's a valid issue. Everyone's in a separate masjid, but it's causing harm for the people. So we'll say, because of the harm for the people, can one person take the responsibility? Now, the danger of this position is that the other masjid will say, that's fine. But the people will come to our small masjid thinking that it's open and the guy's not even there yet, for example. And, and, and so there's practical, logistical problems with that. So that's where the Muslim leaders need to step in and you know, organize it. Now, ironically, that's what they tried to do in certain areas, like in Egypt. But that's, yani, the intention is something completely different. The intention there from people like Sisi, okay, and all these people who are enemies of the religion, is that they took out the actual human element and they made it a radio one. And they want to basically reduce the, the, the religiosity of the masjid. They want to turn it into a secular ritual action. So that there are no mu'adhineen who are practicing people who... As, you, know, uh, you know, subhanAllah, if you understand this chapter, you understand just what Egypt are playing at. And other countries like that. Because what I've described should now have proven to you that the one who gives the adhan is a real, real man. A real man. People of deen, people of revival, people of every aspect of excellent Islam. And their job is to try and get rid of that. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get rid of that. Like people who memorize Quran by themselves, who are imams by themselves. They want to get rid of that. Government-appointed ones. Government-controlled ones. Speaker adhan on the radio, which goes around everywhere. And that's why the renegade masajid, rebel masajid in the areas of deen, they turn that system off and they do it themselves. Yeah? However, they get reported and then they get closed down. And that's what happened in Egypt all the time. So there's a very serious aspect to this. 
Okay, we've gone on long enough. Jazakumullahu khairan. Barakallahu feek. Wa subhanakallahu bihamdika. Shadu an la ilaha ila ant. Wa astaghfirukallahum wa atubu ilayk. Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.